Our second reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke in the 22nd chapter, verses 14 through 20. Friends, let us continue listening now for a word from God. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh, holy and gracious God, we come to you once again with busy minds and to-do lists that never seem to end. On this morning, we ask that you will quiet our minds and make space in our hearts to listen to you, to hear your word. God, we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. This week, we do indeed continue in our summer sermon series exploring God's vocabulary. These words that help us to understand what it means to follow God in the modern world. Our word this week is indeed covenant. Covenant is not a word that you hear too often, or at least I don't. Except in the summertime, though. For some reason, it comes up more then. The word covenant is often thought of as a fancy word for promise. It seems to come up the most around conversations of weddings and marriages. After all, in the Reformed tradition, marriage is not a sacrament. It's a covenant that's made between two people and with God. A covenant is a promise that is made with God. And promises that are made with God are special. When I think of covenant, besides marriage, the only other thing that comes to mind is Crayola markers and newsprint. So I guess there's two other things. This week, a pretty big event has been happening in the Presbyterian world. I've been following along as close to 4,000 youth and their adult leaders have ascended upon Purdue University in Indiana for a conference called Triennium. It's the largest Presbyterian youth conference of its kind, and it's pretty magical. If you get some downtime this week and want to Google Presbyterian Youth Triennium, the Outlook has some great inspiring articles. As I've been seeing this pop up on my news feeds, it's been reminding me of those times that I spent as a small group leader at conferences similar. These conferences where people and youth come from all over the country together, 
youth get divided up into what's called small groups. It's a very original name. And in these small groups, they're filled with people they don't know. The chances are pretty high that there's not going to be anyone from their home church in their small group. And they'll talk about things like what they heard in worship. They might study some scripture together. And then they might do some icebreaker activities. One of the first things that you do when you come to one of these small groups is you make a covenant with each other, usually with Crayola markers and a big piece of newsprint. The small group will throw out ideas like promising to respect each other during their time together, to always love each other no matter what, to not talk over each other, or only allow one person to talk at a time. They throw out things like the Vegas rule, which I felt really dumb when it occurred to me that the Vegas rule can apply to things other than Las Vegas. What happens in small group stays in small group. Things like that. And once they all agree on the content of the covenant, they pick up one of those Crayola markers, and everyone writes their name. They sign it. And inevitably, throughout their time together, that covenant gets broken, especially the part about talking over one another. In a group of 30 kids, when you've got good things to say, it's hard to remember to let one person talk at a time. So it gets broken. But at the end of the day, and the end of conference, that promise to love each other seems to supersede all of the other ones. It's still upheld, and in the end, when it's over, there's often tearful goodbyes and sad I miss you's that are said as they depart. While the story that we read from Exodus this morning was not the very first story of covenant in the Bible, that was the covenant that God made with Noah and all creation not to destroy the world again, in case you were wondering. The covenant that we read about today might be the one that we remember most when we think of covenant in the Old Testament. After God leads the people out of Egypt and they arrive where they're going, God has a talk with them through Moses. God reminds them that they've been led out of Egypt on the wings of an eagle and that they're now brought to God. Then God makes that covenant. If you'll follow my commandments, Then I will make you my most precious possession, God says. I will love you. And of course, the people, the Hebrews, they agree very eagerly. I imagine there was a lot of nodding and head shaking and like, yeah, sign me up for that, as Moses is telling them what God has said. So they agree, and the covenant and those promises, they're made between the people and God. Yet, just a few pages over in that same book of Exodus. Do you know what happens? Moses comes down from the mountaintop after talking with God again, and guess what he finds? He finds that the people have made a golden calf right after they agreed to abide with the covenant, to keep it. God's covenant and that commandment not to worship any false idols. That golden calf was certainly a false idol. They just made this promise, and then they broke it 
almost instantly. What happens when we break our promises? Usually in my own experience, I've found that once a promise is broken, then whatever it is, is terminated on both sides. Once the other person breaks their promise, you don't have to uphold yours either. Seems to be the the common thing that happens. The people didn't uphold their end of the covenant, the promise. Yet God does. The Hebrews and the Israelites are still God's chosen people. God still loves them fiercely, even though they failed to uphold the promise. God upholds these covenants even now. A new covenant was made with Jesus. We tell that story here pretty explicitly every month at the table, but I think we tell it more in the in-between times too, although maybe not as obvious. We call them the words of institution. Before Jesus dies on a cross, a new covenant is made. He holds up that cup, saying, This is the new covenant that is sealed in my blood. This one, this covenant, is built upon grace and the forgiveness of sins. At its innermost heart, it's a covenant of love. God covenants to humanity in Jesus. And God promises to the disciples, to us, to forgive our sins and to show us grace despite the fact that we aren't always the best listeners. God's covenant still stands, though. And God won't break that covenant, even though we're going to break it with God time and time again. Like Jan said on our bulletin cover this morning, it's a picture of God's eyes from our worship and arts camp this week. Have you all ever made one of those before? You take a cross, or you make a cross with popsicle sticks or with wooden skewers, and you wrap string around it. And as you wrap the string around it, the center of it becomes more prominent. It starts to look like an eye, and they become known as God's eyes. They're very common in Mexico or in the southwestern United States. Lots of people will place them above their desk or above their workspace, Or I read that they're also placed above a lot of different hiking trails so that God will see them. Or so that we will remember God sees us. When I look at these God's eyes, the collection of all of them, and see the different colors, I can't help but be reminded that God sees us for who we really are. God sees us as a people who make mistakes and who mess up but still a people who are worthy of love. God sees us for who we really are, for promise breakers, and yet God still makes a promise with us, a covenant to love us and to show us grace, even though we're really good at breaking it. We're not always great at honoring the Sabbath or resting like we talked about last week. We so often covet the things that our friends or our neighbors have. We worship things like wealth or our own self-image in the community over God. We take things that aren't really ours to take. We lie about our neighbors. We make up stories for ourselves 
as to why they aren't deserving of love. We break that covenant time and time again, yet God still offers us grace. I know, I fall short on those covenants all the time. That resting thing is pretty much impossible. And not coveting what your neighbors have, I feel like I fell right into that this weekend. I noticed as a bunch of my friends were growing their families or becoming a little bit more adults, they started to get small SUVs as opposed to little sedans. So of course I wanted one too. And then we spent our Friday at a car dealership. And that whole loving your neighbors thing that it mentions, I found that almost near impossible, especially keeping in mind what's happening at our borders. I'm not sure how to love our neighbors in that situation. And so this feeling of guilt keeps settling in as the news stories keep rolling in. Even though we drop the ball on upholding that covenant with God, God still upholds the covenant of grace with us. We make covenants and promises to God all the time. You know, just last week, we made a covenant to welcome and to pray for Mike and Nancy Fix as they joined our church as new members. We make covenants and we say vows to pray for one another before mission trips and as babies are baptized. And as God's people, God asks us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we're not always great at loving ourselves either. We still make a covenant to show God's love in the world, but it's hard. This work of keeping the covenant isn't easy. We fall short all the time, but yet every single day, God offers us again that Crayola marker to sign the covenant once more, to try again. This week, as you go about your days, will you write your name on the covenant again? Can we try to uphold the promise to love our neighbors, to rest, to not compare ourselves to others, to love God with all of our hearts, our whole souls, and all of our minds? For remember, this is the new covenant that is sealed in Jesus' blood for the forgiveness of sins, and it assures us grace. This is the new covenant that God makes with you and with me every single day. So will you sign your name, promising to try, and trust that grace will be extended to you anyway, even when you fall short? For friends, that is the new covenant, God's covenant of grace that never runs dry. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.